Hello, this is Kurt Frankum, and many of you know me as the host of the Leading Saints podcast. But Leading Saints isn't just a podcast. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we strive to create quality leadership content for Latter-day Saints in order to help them be better prepared to lead. With this mission comes a lot of expense, and we need additional help to continue our efforts in the coming year. In order to exchange value for value, we have created the Core Leader Community. To become a core leader, all you have to do is become a subscribing donor, which might be a monthly recurring donation or even a quarterly or yearly donation. For those who become a core leader through a subscription donation, you have access to our core leader library, which includes additional recorded interviews not available to the general audience, access to all virtual summits, discounts on products and conferences, and access to a private CoreCast feed where you will hear additional leadership thought and behind the scenes happenings. We are a community of leaders making this happen, and we need you a part of this mission. Text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to become a core leader today, or visit leadingsaints.org donate. Hey everyone, this is the Leading Saints podcast. My name is Kurt Frankum, your host, and I welcome you. If you're new to Leading Saints, uh, this is awesome. I'm glad you found us. We are a, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And this podcast is one of the big ways we do that. We get to interview some interesting people and have some fascinating conversations. And I wish you all well during this uh, interesting time. <laughs> isn't everybody, everybody describes this time. It's just this interesting time, isn't it? Interesting time. Obviously, with the pandemic happening and hopefully everybody's staying healthy and happy and even with the, the quarantine happening in many countries around the world. And hopefully we're coming out of this, but we shall see. It's been interesting to see the numbers of uh, the podcast downloads have been cut in half pretty much. And I, I'm assuming that's just due to the fact that people don't have commutes to work, right? I know I hear from a lot of people that say they listen to the Leading Saints podcast on their commute, but hopefully your commute is being replaced with long walks and uh, you're getting out into sunshine and and uh, staying active so you can listen then, right? Or I've offended half the listenership and uh, <laughs> they they left us, but it's all right. We'll get them back. Hopefully with episodes like this, I had the opportunity to talk with Andrea Davis, who is the creator of a fantastic website and parental resource called betterscreentime.com. And she talks about all things screens when it comes to the dynamics of families and uh, you know how to help manage the electronic devices in all of our homes. And I reached out to Andrea because uh, she was part of our Meetings with Saints virtual summit a few months ago and did a great uh, presentation about family councils. And so she just, she is a, a leadership guru in my own estimate in, in the home. And uh, so I reached out to her and said, you know, I want, I want to talk about leadership in the home because right now many of you lay leaders out there are sort of not sure what to do with yourself. Obviously, there's people to check up on, making sure those that are that need some support or connection are being reached out to. But a lot of the resources and interactions we had before have been minimized. And so you, it's sometimes frustrating. You don't know how to lead in your ward. But leadership is still happening, and that happens within your home. So I reached out to Andrea and said, let's talk about leadership in the home. And I don't want to just talk about parenting and parenting do's and don'ts, but I want to take it to the next level of not just being a, a parent that's, you know, has rules and a parent that has bedtimes and so forth, but how to be a parent that's also seen as a leader in your home and how to stimulate 
effective culture in home. So she had a fantastic outline put together and we turned on the the podcast machine here and recorded this interview and it turned out great. Again, I encourage you to check out her resource at betterscreentime.com and I think you'll enjoy this conversation. My interview with Andrea Davis. Today, I have the opportunity to sit down through the powers of Zoom, just like we all do with every human interaction these days, uh, ch- chatting with Andrea Davis. How are you, Andrea? I'm doing great, Kurt. How are you? Very good. I'm excited we get to chat again. You were actually part of our Meetings with Saints virtual summit, where you talked about the power of family councils, which are definitely a meeting that uh, it's becoming even more and more important uh, <laughs> these days. Yes. And um, and maybe just give us give a background of who you are and put yourself in the context of the projects you work on, especially in the realm of parenting and, and leading in the home. Yes. So I'm Andrea Davis. My husband, Tyler, and I actually run a website called betterscreentime.com. And this was born out of a need that we had to find a better way to lead our kids when it came to technology. So several years ago, I was trying to find the right answers. We'd really kind of cocooned our kids for a long time. And that was great. I loved that phase. And as my kids were getting older and technology was changing, I realized that that phase was ending. And there was a great article on Enzyme recently about this, about going kind of from cocooning to pre-arming our kids. And I had that voice in my head just telling me that I needed to pre-arm my kids when it came to technology and do a better job of teaching them and leading them, teaching them how to use that as a tool. And so that's how Better Screen Time came to be. Nice. And, and it's a phenomenal resource. I've had time to spend with it. And it's one of those things, especially I have a eight-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-day-old and at the yes. time of this recording. <laughs> but So I'm not worried about the screen time with my three-day-old at this point. But uh, <laughs> definitely for my other kids, it's becoming more of a thing where I, you know, approach them and I, I take away the Kindle or the, you know, the screen. And all of a sudden I get this monster that comes yes. after me. I'm like, okay, I guess I need to process some information here <laughs> so that yes. I don't uh, get my kids to hate me for the rest of my life. But anyway, so it's a phenomenal resource and people should definitely check it out. And what's what led to this interview here is I, you know, obviously I need to keep, we have a great podcast that uh, has a lot of listeners and I want to keep them engaged, even in this interesting time during the COVID-19 pandemic and where we're, a lot of us are quarantined at home and hopefully in the near future, we'll be able to slowly return to uh, somewhat of interaction with society. Uh, but it's hard to put together content of, you know, how to run a meeting or how to, you know, how to motivate your ward or how to run a good <laughs> sacrament meeting when all these things, sort of that the church leadership callings, those lay leadership callings are sort of dormant right now. And I get there's mm-hmm. some things that we still need to do and keep tabs on people. But, you know, I, and so I want to bring really relevant content. And I thought, well, one thing, one part of leadership that people are really struggling with is leadership in the home. You know, we, we're all yes. leaders in the home as parents. But as we go through this, and you've created a, a great outline here that we can go over, I really I'm not looking necessarily create another parenting podcast. There's phenomenal parenting podcasts out there and and I'm sure every parent has their their favorite and you know they do that very well, but I'm sort of want to take it to the next level of not just being a parent, not just establishing rules and you know disciplines and how to 
do those parenting things, but taking to the next level of how do, how can we actually lead in the home and, and have that influence there? And I really think there's a slight difference between that. So that led to me reaching out with you. And, and over the next few weeks, I'll probably reach out to a few other experts, whether you consider yourself that or not. Andrew, that's, what, <laughs> that's what I think you are. So anyways, does that make sense to you as far as the direction yeah. I hope we can go? Completely. Well, I guess, Kurt, I would love to ask you, when you think of those two words, what do you think of? So when you think of parenting, like what words come to mind? Yeah, parenting, I think of, you know, just the, you know, discipline, disciplinarian comes to mind, you know, creating rules. And, and to me, I feel like such a weight on my shoulders as a parent, like I have to I have to create this person into an adult that's going to yeah. <laughs> contribute to society, right? And I often yes. tell my eight-year-old that, like, I say, Devery, like, I really don't want to force you to do these things, but I've been asked to do this. I've been asked to get you in bed on time and make you brush your teeth because it's up to me yeah. to help you figure out these things, right? So those are just that disciplinarian or the rules and the, you know, the the prodding at times and motivating the kids. That's what comes to my mind when I think of parenting. Yeah. Me too. It's a, it's a almost like you said, I think you described it well. It's like this weight on your shoulders. It's this yes. <laughs> huge responsibility, right? Right. What about when you think of the word leader? Obviously, you have a podcast called right. I've thought Leading about Saints. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've spent a little bit of time with this. What If you're even just thinking of a parent as a leader, different words come to mind for you? Yeah, I, absolutely. When I think of leadership, I might, the word or concept my mind goes to first is establishing culture, right, in an organization. Mm-hmm. And I, again, that's sort of why I see the difference of you can be a pretty good parent and, you know, they'll do what you say, they'll go to the youth activities, they'll get good grades in school generally, and they'll generally turn into a pretty decent adult. But to establish a culture in a home where suddenly it's, suddenly you don't necessarily rely on that dis discipline as much or the the rules as much because you've developed people that understand what good culture looks like and how to contribute that. So I go when I think of leadership, I go to developing and establishing culture. I love that. Yes. I couldn't agree more. And I for some reason, for me, I had this mindset shift when we finally realized we needed to do something different about technology. Uh-huh. So I think this mindset shift might come to different people for different reasons, like whatever problems are arising in their family. But for me, I was like, okay, I've got to take a different look at this and think, how can I lead my kids instead of just like parenting them, right? And I know that, you know, the Savior is our best example when it comes to this. And we often refer to him as the good shepherd, right? Yeah. And we know that a good shepherd leads and doesn't push. And mm-hmm. that's definitely something that I try to keep in mind as I'm parenting to think of how can I be that good shepherd and lead. And as I have considered this over the past few years, and I, I will also say that the other thing that led me to start to think of parenting as leading was when I had started to have a teenager, like when my oldest, our oldest became a teenager, right? Yeah. This is land I have not, I have not uh, discovered yet. (laughs) I'm kind of afraid of this phase, but it's coming. Yeah. Well, and I thought, oh, I've got this because I taught middle school. I've taught Mm. college. I have been the young woman's president, you know, and so I had all this experience (laughs) (laughs) with teenagers, but it's just a whole different skill set when they're your own children, right? And so 
that is another reason why I felt like, okay, I need to see this a little bit differently and think about how I can lead. Because one thing I did know from working with teenagers is that they can see right through hypocrisy. So they are not going to, you know, watch you do do something and and have have you tell them to do something, but then you do something else, right? So they can see right through that. And so I just realized, okay, you know, my kids are getting older, you can kind of get away with a lot when they're little, but can't do that anymore. I've really got to be that example. But you know, I think one of the first things that we need to remember is that a good leader works in a partnership. Hmm. So often we think of a, a leader being someone who's just super strong, charismatic, can take charge, take the lead. But really, a good leader works in a partnership. And what I mean by that is, first of all, a good leader works in a partnership with God. And right now in our church, we're talking a lot about hearing Him, right? Like, how do we hear Him? Elder Bednar did a great little video this week that he shared with us about how he hears um, our Heavenly Father. And so... As we're parenting, if we're really taking time to hear the voice of our Heavenly Father and to listen to the Spirit, that's going to help us to be a better leader. Yeah. And And how does that, as far as like in your experience, I mean, what does that look like to you? Because those, it's sort of every parent hears, I think, yeah, you know, but day to day, how does that application actually manifest itself? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure this is different for everyone. But I know Elder Bednar said in his video that he hears him in the scriptures. And that Mm -hmm. is definitely one of the ways that I hear him because I love to read. I'm a huge reader. And I also really like just kind of journaling and and thinking. And so that is one way that I hear him. So if I have a specific problem in mind, a challenge that I'm having with my kids, I definitely try to take that to the Lord in prayer. But for me personally, I often receive that inspiration when I'm reading my scriptures, not usually when I'm in the middle of a prayer. And so I try to continually ask those questions and and ask my Heavenly Father in prayer for help with this specific problem or this specific child. But it's when I take time to read, when I'm reading my scriptures every day, to really hear that voice. And, you know, that's that's what's awesome about the scriptures is that they're so applicable to every situation and the spirit, you know, can speak to us and let us yeah. know what, what we need to know. Yeah. You know, the, the dynamic that comes to my mind a lot is, you know, especially now within this quarantine where, you know, friends aren't an option or even playing outside has its limitations and things where you, I sort of have gotten to a place where I'm just okay with turning on that movie for them for a time and, and letting them, I mean, then then be babysat for an hour or two with yeah. that movie because then it gives me sort of a time to separate myself right i mean we sort of create this ideal situation where the kids are coloring or doing projects <laughs> and crafts you yes. know this whole time and but that still takes your engagement or they'll they can easily be distracted and they say you know mom dad you know i'm hungry or i need this or can you help me cut this out or whatever it is and and i think just to be like give yourself a lot of grace as a parent and mm-hmm. you know let them be on their their social media if there's a, a teenager or turn on that that movie for a time and then separate yourself and find that that quiet and that meditative place to read your scriptures or to really contemplate and think over these things right and, and i think feel like 
it's sometimes that's difficult, especially right now with the quarantine where we feel like, no, I have, I gotta be engaged. Cause if, if they watch too much, you know, if they have too much screen time, their brain will fry. And then that's totally. my fault, you know? Totally. Yeah. And they're, and they'll, you'll see a lot of behavior problems if they get mm-hmm. too much screen time. Obviously, exactly. you know, I'm very passionate about that. Right. That's a whole nother subject, but for sure, like giving yourself some grace and finding some time. I've actually been getting up much earlier than I was getting up before because I don't have to get the kids out the door. But see, my youngest is five. So I think just even knowing the season that you're in, but I am I don't have a three day old baby like yeah. you do. So soon, you know, you'll be you're gonna be getting up in the middle of the night. It's probably not the best time for you to be getting up early in the morning. Like you need your sleep. But I'm in a place now where I've been getting up early. I've actually been running every day since my kids got out of school, except for Sunday, I haven't missed a day and I'm not a huge runner. Like, nice. I think nice. the first time I started running was actually in the MTC <laughs> when <laughs> I just was like, let me out. <laughs> and yeah. so that's kind of how I feel now where I'm like, I've got to get outside. I need to get fresh air. I need like that time to myself. Yeah. So however a person finds that is, yeah, so important. Yeah. So I'm curious to know, like being, I'm sort of venturing off to a tangent here, but that's just what I do. But uh, okay. you being like the, the better screen time lady, like the default is, is like, sometimes I just need a moment and I'm going to just turn this movie on or, you know, hand them the, the screen, like any other ideas or things we could do that would allow enough like boundary or get them engaged in something enough where you could separate and go, go for a run or, you know, on, and or find that the me time that that's really important to in order to develop and be a better leader at home. Yeah, for sure. So one of the best ways is just to set up an environment that's conducive to the things that are important to you. And this kind of goes along with creating a vision, right? So you Mm -hmm. create a vision for whoever you're leading, create a vision for your family. When our family was young, I knew that like books were super important to me. So we had a lot, a lot of books. In fact, when people have helped us move, the elders quorum have joked to my husband, like, doesn't Andrea know what Kindle is? (laughs) Please, please buy her one. (laughs) But like, you know, books are like part of our family culture. And, um, you know, we had a house fire this last year and, and lost most of everything in our home. And honestly, like when I saw the insurance paper that said like everything was itemized, the number on books was huge. Like it was a lot of money and we're still, you know, replacing that library. But I think just like filling your home with things that are important to you, whether that's music, you know, a piano. I have lots of tips for helps with little kids, but a lot of times I will like print out a coloring page for my little kids. Like, Hey, if I'm working on the computer, I'll set them on my lap and just say, Hey, what do you want? My little pony? What coloring page do you want? And you know, that'll keep him happy for like 15 minutes. Didn't work very well for my son, but I would send him outside with a spray bottle and just say, just go with water filled with water. And I would say, go spray whatever you want. And it kept him happy for like 30 minutes. So I think to just like note planning ahead of time that you're not going to default to the screen Mm -hmm. and having some things ready and available, and then really saving that screen time for when you really need it. And then just having those time limits in place is super helpful. Like we're only going to watch for 30 minutes and paying attention to your kids because you can tell when, oh, that was a little bit too long. 
So, you know, having those time limits is super helpful too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it takes my mind to, because it really like the, the, the screen is sometimes so dominant. It's hard not to resist it when it's, it can be, you know, prescribed in that moment. Here it is. Now give me some peace. Right. But like my son, he actually, he was born with a Hirschsprung's disease. If you're really curious about, you can go Google it, but basically he needs a medical procedure every day that we do. And it requires him to sit on the pot for oh. uh, upward to 30 minutes to 45 minutes. So you think wow. like, okay, I've got this four-year-old. Here's the Kindle. All right. Just sit yes. there. Right. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> but I've noticed, especially now, as I've pondered over this last few weeks where I'm like, okay, if I was a leader, like whatever things I did as a bishop or as an elders quorum president that I could maybe do in my home now. And I thought, well, I'm really big on one-to-one interviews and being consistent with them. So I'm going to be very intentional every day of finding a time where I can just sit and talk with my child, right? Mm. And we can talk about whatever it is. And so to make it a routine, I've used this time where, you know, I set everything up and, and it has, as he's going through this, I take about 15 to 20 minutes and we just chat and we've gone through like name different superhero powers, name different, you know, what, what, what does a, a policeman do and what's on his, uh, you know, his belt and all these things. And just that connection, it's the same principle with these one-to-one interviews. I found a moment to connect with my child and just slow down. And that's, that's done a lot anyway. So that's what my mind goes I to. I love is that, that. Sometimes it's just in the little things, right? It doesn't have to be like this elaborate, like coloring page or this or that, but just saying like, you know, I'm just going to be engaged here because this is a leadership interview right now, even though I'm not. And through this, you know, I can see that he almost looks forward to that time. You know, obviously as a five-year-old, the last thing he wants to do is go through this medical procedure that we have to do. Totally. And so it's been, it's been so rewarding. And then with my eight-year-old, you know, finding this time right before bed and I just say, you know, what's your sweet and sour of the day? You know, what, oh, yeah. uh, what's worrying about you or what are you looking forward to? And just having that one-to-one, you know, PPI with my children has gone so far. So anyways, that again, I'm taking I us off love that. in a that, different direction. No, those are such good ideas. And then too... That's what your son now will have a memory of having those conversations with you, how you turn something that really is not fun into something memorable. And he guaranteed is going to remember that way more than any game he would have played on a device. Yeah. So, So, yeah. So I think that's exactly what a good leader does. Like instead of beating yourself up, you just think, how could I make this experience better? you know, for my child or for my family. Yeah, for sure. All right. I've taken you way off your, your, uh, your no outline here, but I love it. <laughs> going with the number one, as far as a good leader works in a partnership, anything you haven't, have, we haven't discussed that would be important to bring up. Yeah. Well, if you're married, then obviously you're, that's a very important partner in your life. Yeah, so sure. in addition to God, then, you know, of course we've got single parents out there that are doing this on their own. And I'm amazed by by what they do. But if we're married, that's a super important partnership. And we're going to get a lot farther if we are including our spouse in, you know, creating a vision for our family and in including them in our goals. And, you know, I think too, recognizing the strengths of each individual in the partnership, right? So, my husband and I have very different strengths and I'm more of like the big picture, like planning the vacations, the big ideas. Like if you just said, who's the leader in your home? If you asked either of us, he would probably say, 
Um, that's Andrea because <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm the one who's uh, like I just the idea person. However, Tyler is an engineer, and if you give him like some instructions, like some clear instructions and guidance, he's going to see th- something through to the very end. So he is a finisher, and I love that about him. And so we, I just feel like we make a great team. And, you know, every marriage is going to be very different. We bring our different strengths, but that's been very helpful to me to just look at what, you know, what are my spouse's strengths? What are my strengths? And how can we use those together to benefit, you know, our whole family, benefit our kids? Yeah. Now, I, and and just like sort of having those moments where you recognize the differences and, and play to those strengths, right? And, and yeah, it could be really helpful in being and creating a partnership. And and obviously I love the idea of a partnership with a family and all, you know, as a full partnership, but it's got to start with that partnership of the couple, the parents. Right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Because you can't get everyone else to catch the vision or get on board with any new idea unless you're united in your, yeah. in your marriage. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, this is a good segue to the, the next one. Number two is a good leader inspires others by modeling it's changes they want to see, which again, if parents can model partnership, it's going to be easier for the, the children to be part of the partnership. But how else can we we model good leadership? Yeah, well, I think you brought up a good point earlier, just talking about kind of taking care of yourself. And that's super important, especially right now while we're all home. And it can be stressful for many parents right now. Everyone's going through different things. So some people are going through job loss and some people might be worried about their health. You know, you just had a baby. Your wife has <laughs> just had yeah. a baby. Like yep. people are like life is still happening. And yep. so as parents, we kind of have some of these maybe extra burdens on our shoulders. We really need to take care of ourselves. So for me, that's been going on a run and coming home and making a smoothie. And, you know, I ask everybody if they want one and they see that it's green and most people... <laughs> Or like, no, mom, I don't want your smoothie. But I still feel like, hey, I'm showing my kids. I'm trying to take care of myself, right? Yeah. And I think that's super helpful. Recently, I listened to Brene Brown's audiobook, The Gifts of Imperfect Parenting. And she talks a lot about the importance of just that our actions speak louder than our words, right? And that importance of modeling. And... I found this to be true. So I guess it would be probably two and a half years ago when President Nelson, before he was our prophet, he, you know, challenged all of us to be reading in the Book of Mormon. And he asked us, you know, what would life be like without the Book of Mormon? And I realized that I wasn't getting up with a new baby anymore. And that I actually had a little bit more time in the morning and I could do a better job of spending time in the Book of Mormon. And at the time, I was actually taking a course by Michael Hyatt called The Best Year Ever. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of geared. Have you done that? Yeah. Uh Love, love, love it. So it was in December, right? I was looking ahead to January. What what goals did I want to set? And you're probably familiar with this, but Michael Hyatt often recommends that you break up your goals into like 90 days, right? Mm -hmm. So that works in a business. You're thinking, okay, every quarter. And I thought, you know, that sounds so much more manageable to me than trying to set like this yearly goal. And so I thought, well, what if I just read the Book of Mormon every 90 days? 
that's something that I feel like um, that I could do. And so I printed out my tracker, like just the LDS scripture tools, if you ever use that, and printed out my tracker for 90 days. And I'm like, I'm just going to give this a try. Like I wasn't committing past the 90 days. I read every day. And when I finished, I was like, I'm going to do that again. And so I printed out my tracker. And that was two and a half years ago. And I've read the Book of Mormon every 90 days since. And so the important part of that really is obviously the changes that I personally have felt. But as my kids were sitting down to do their goals this year with the new uh, children and youth program, and they were looking at their spiritual goals, several of them said, hey, mom, can you print out one of those trackers like you have? Because I want to read the Book of Mormon. And, you know, most of them didn't want to read it in 90 days. And I wasn't really encouraging that because I didn't think it was possible. They wanted to read it within a year, but they printed one out. And just like a couple of months ago, I went in my teenager's room to just put something away or whatever. And I, I saw her tracker there. And it was like <laughs> completely filled out up to the day, you know, the day that I, I saw it. And just, I saw that she had read the Book of Mormon every day so far. Wow, there's and a mom payday right there. <laughs> I know. And to be honest with you, I'm pretty hard on myself. And most of the times I'm just like, oh, I did that wrong. Got that wrong. But it was like this moment where I just was like, wow, like, you know, here is my teenager who I think if I would have just kept saying, you need to read the Book of Mormon every day, need to read the Book of Mormon every day, or I would have shoved the Book of Mormon in her face or whatever and just kept insisting. I really think I would not have seen the result that I saw. And so, you know, just being the change that you want to see is, is so important. And uh, yeah, you can't overlook that. Yeah. And you know, my, my mind goes to when you talk about that principle is it's for, you know, when it, when it becomes related to modeling that I often try and, you know, I, I'm big on, you know, you mentioned Brene Brown as far as like vulnerability and, and creating mm-hmm. a little vulnerability in the relationship with my myself and my children where I feel like it's really important for them to see the wrestles that I go through from time to time. Now, obviously not every wrestle or, you know, if, if you have lost your job and you cry yourself to sleep every night, it's not, you know, you don't need to tell your eight-year-old that you're completely panicked and right. you cry yourself to sleep. But you know, right now I'm in the process of writing a book manuscript and, and I've also been, you know, like every other parent been helping my eight-year-old with homeschool, right? Or yes. all her lessons that she needs <laughs> to do. Right. And I see her, she kind of like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm done for the day. And I tried to help her say, you know, I, I, by modeling that this, the resilience it takes at times, I say, Debra, let me tell you something. I'm writing this book manuscript and you're asleep when I'm doing it most of the time. But let me tell you what, I, I, every day I just think, why am I doing it so hard? I just want, you know, I do these difficult things too, but we're resilient. And so we stick with it. We're going to keep going and, and I'm going to sit here right, right here with you and, and we'll see if we can get through it. Right. And so, and that's just a simple example, but just looking for ways that you can sort of model that resilience that, because life is going to give us all a wrestle. And I think it's yeah. easy for parents to get in the state of mind of sort of protecting our kids from the bad stuff that's happening in in our home, 
you know, it's difficult and the parents are fine, you know, because we sometimes we yes. want to model it like, oh, I just read my scriptures and say my prayers and everything's <laughs> yeah. good. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, but that can backfire down the road when they enter adulthood and think, okay, that equation doesn't work as well as I thought it was working for my parents, right? Totally. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think sometimes I think I don't want my kids to hear me complain. Like I don't want them to think of me as a complainer. So sometimes yeah. I think if I mention that something's hard or I don't want to do it, then I'm going to come off as like complainer, right? But I yeah. like how you framed that and just telling your kids, hey, this is really hard. And I can completely relate because I'm working on an online course right now for parents of teens related to technology. And it I'm I'm in that part where it's just drudgery. It's just it's editing and it's adding slides <laughs> and it's yeah. hard. Yeah. But if I don't tell my kids that, they'll just think, oh yeah, mom just threw that together and it was easy. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome principle. Anything else as far as modeling the change that you, we want to see? No, I think that's great. Awesome. Third one he put is good leaders gather the people they love. I'm intrigued by this. Do explain. Yeah. Well, I just woke up the other morning and I was like, King Benjamin. Yeah, <laughs> like, geez, right. we just studied that and come follow me, right? And King Benjamin, I think, is one of our greatest examples of someone who gathered people and he wasn't afraid to stand up and share what really mattered. He wanted to bring those people to Christ. And um, I think right now our kids need our insurance, right? And we're, yes, we're spending a lot of time together. We're homeschooling, you know, we're doing come follow me, maybe we're playing some games, but just really gathering and talking about the important things. And something else that I learned from Brene Brown, she wrote a book not too long ago called Dare to Lead. Yeah, that's great. And she said that daring leaders who live into their values are never silent about heart things. And for me personally, this, when it came to technology, that seemed like a hard thing. Like I wanted it to just go away. I wanted to just protect my kids. And I realized, okay, well, I've got to live my values, but I've also got to teach my kids. And so I need to gather my kids and have these conversations. And so we started with just doing a thumbs up and a thumbs down list about technology. So we said, what do you guys love about tech? And what, you know, what are some things that we need to watch out for and be careful of? And this goes along with, you know, the conversation you and I have had previously about having family meetings, but Brene talks about rumbling, right? And Sometimes when we started to have these conversations about tech, it was really uncomfortable with our teenager because we were going from a smartphone back to a brick phone, like a flip phone. Mm -hmm. And that was not fun. It was really not fun. But we decided to all get together and have this conversation about how we were going to handle this and handle technology. And so I think, yeah, we can't be afraid of having those conversations, even though we know they're going to be hard. Yeah. So explain more about this, the concept of rumbling. So what I'm hearing you say, or at least how I'm internalizing it, is that sometimes as parents, it's easy to sort of be like, no, we're going to flip phones. That's the end of the story. Like, go to your yeah. room if you're going <laughs> to complain about it. I'll send you your flip phone when it comes in the mail. You know, it's like we sort of draw the lines. But it sounds like with rumbling, you're sort of like you're engaging with them in the conversation and you're hearing their side of things. You're like, well, I get what you're saying. But this is why it won't work or this is, you know, is that is that more of along the lines of what you mean by rumble? 
Yeah, exactly. So you're asking questions, quality questions, not just a yes or no question, but something that's going to encourage conversation. And then you're doing a lot of listening. And that's not always easy as a parent when you feel like you're you know more than your kids. And you think, well, I already said this is how it is. And it, it doesn't mean that we like let our kids walk all over us, but we allow them time to say what they want to say. And we listen and we take that into account as we're making decisions. And so I think that's what Brene is talking about when she's talking about rumbling, because I think rumbling is a more challenging than just a conversation. <laughs> And I feel like it, that builds so much, like you know, deeper trust with that relationship we have with our children. Is they know when there's an issue that's really important to them, you're going to hear them. They they also realize it may not go exactly the the way they want, but yeah, the, their parent will consider their perspective, why it's important to them, and then go from there. Because especially when it comes to like you know devices and things, the parents thinking. I just want to protect you from, you know, the evils of pornography. And the yes. child is thinking, if I don't have a phone, I'm going to look like a nerd at school, right? Yes. And so it feels like <laughs> yep. these are competing values when in reality, they're just different values. It's not like you disagree because the child doesn't necessarily, you know, they're not trying to just look at, you know, binge on porn. Right. But they're, they're coming from a different value. So creating that relationship, uh, you know, builds a lot of trust. Yeah. And it also gives you the opportunity to explain why. So I talk a lot about Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, and he, mm, yeah. you know, applies that to companies and, and leadership, but it's so applicable in our home that our kids and especially our generations now, there, you know, a lot of studies that come about, have come about this, that Generation Z, that they really want to know why. And our kids deserve that. So when we engage in a conversation, it gives us the opportunity to explain why. Yeah. So going back to this principle, as far as uh, good leaders gather the people they love, you know, is this, are you primarily speaking in the, the con, this isn't just like quality time as a family, but this is sort of gathering them as like in a family council type setting to talk about the issues. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I think this gathering can look totally different. Like the one-on-one -on -one interview that you're having with your son, you yeah, know, that's, yeah. that's even gathering. So um, it can look like just being one-on-one -on -one with a child. It can look like gathering the whole family. And yeah, really being proactive about topics or things that you might be concerned about so that you can give your kids the opportunity to make decisions ahead of time. Just yeah. super important. Yeah. And I think it's really important to to clarify that being gathered is much different than than gathering the family like because people right now are like well we're quarantined i mean we're all in the same room and yeah we yes. talk about those things but like to really almost formalize the experience right like okay at four o'clock today we're doing this thing where we come together and we're going to discuss abc and we'll probably talk more about this as you talk about vision but like really having a purpose to that gathering that has a beginning and the end and or, you know that is that that a good way to look at it yeah totally and i think it honestly makes our kids feel important and feel heard and like, oh, okay, what are we doing? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's going on? And I feel like it's really crucial right now for, again, we're going to talk about this in vision a little bit, but just coming together as a family, especially we're weeks into this quarantine thing. And even if, you know, society starts to open up a little bit, it's going to be the same feeling generally. 
to come together and be like, okay, what is it that we are doing here? Are we just waking up and going through the motions, looking forward to the next meal or the next trip to the pantry? And, you know, what, what can we actually come together and accomplish, right? Or what rules and boundaries do we need to set that, you know, you know, Jimmy looks like you get mad every time I say get off your phone. Well, let's talk about that. You know, yeah. what, what's the purpose of the phones in this quarantine state? Do we just want to numb our minds until it's over or what are we trying to do? Right. So yeah. sort of bring that to it. Totally. Yes. Right on. Awesome. All right. Number four, a good leader serves, but also sets boundaries. I'm a big boundaries fan, Andrea. So talk <laughs> to us about it. All right. This is, this is good then. I also, King Benjamin, I was like, oh, I just love that. He yeah. was serving with his people. And so if we're good leaders, we want to model that. We're working alongside our kids. We're not just always telling them what to do, but we're willing to serve them. And, you know, one of the things that has come to my mind is is that it's tricky to balance that fostering independence in our kids and supporting them, but also, and also, I guess, fostering independence and then supporting them because we don't want to do too much for them, right? We don't want to be the lawnmower mm-hmm. parents or the helicopter parents. So we don't want to make everything easy for them. But yet, I noticed about a year ago that I was doing a lot of like, no, you can do that. No, I'm not going to do that for you. <laughs> and I started noticing that my kids were taking on that attitude with each other. And I was like, well, where is this coming from? Like all of a sudden, everybody seemed a little bit selfish, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh-huh. And so, I just. So you, this was like, it was happening like in a negative way with your, yeah, your kids were yeah, mirroring like, this in a negative way? Yeah. Like I felt okay. like, I felt like I was trying to do less for them so that I wasn't the lawnmower parent, but. And develop independence, right? In yes. their children, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then I noticed that my kids were kind of picking up this attitude of like, maybe when their sibling asks them to help them with something, they're like, no, you can do that <laughs> you <know>, for <laughs> nice. yourself or whatever. And I was like, whoa, because it was kind of new. I was like, where is this coming from? And I, I honestly had that impression from the spirit where it was like, well, that's their learning from you. Like, this is mm. how you've been acting. And so maybe I just had this impression that I needed to take some time to serve my kids when I could. So I think as parents, too, we just feel like we're always doing stuff for them. You know, I mean, we're doing the laundry and we're making meals and whatever. But I've tried really hard over the past few months to take more opportunities to individually serve my kids. If I could see that there was something they were struggling with or they were just having a bad day. And I think service even comes in small ways like giving a hug or just sitting down and listening longer than you normally might. And I have felt nice change in my home since I've tried to do that. So I'm still obviously trying to get my kids to like, you know, you can, you're old enough to mow the lawn now. And like, I'm still trying to teach them life skills and foster that independence, but also taking opportunities to just serve and show up when I can tell that they need me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So how do you do that when, because I mean, sometimes mom and dad just do things and you think, well, yeah, that, you know, yeah, they made my bed. Oh, that's nice. Where, I mean, how do you put it in the context of like, no, I'm really trying to serve you because I love you. Like sometimes they, they don't feel that love message because they just feel like, ah, she's always picking up my junk anyways. So 
yeah, great. Thanks, mom. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, well, I think if it's something that you don't usually do, so I don't usually make my kids' beds. So if mm-hmm. I were to go in and make their bed, that would be kind of out of the ordinary. So I think just going out of your way to do little things that you normally wouldn't do and not necessarily mm-hmm. making a habit of it, but just if you can tell they're having a rough day, it's a great time to just to show up, like write a little, I love post-it notes. Those are my, oh, yeah. they're my best friends. So <laughs> a little post-it note that says, Hey, you're awesome. I love you. Love mom on the mirror or, you know, it's so small, but I think that's a, a way that we can serve. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I love, you know, the post-it note idea. It's one of those things like in the moment and maybe years after that moment, they, they won't even internalize it as a moment, right? Like they like, okay, mom, I always writing these notes, but like, in that moment when they're suddenly on their mission and they're homesick and their their mind will take them back to those notes and be like, oh my goodness, I just love my mom so much. She was always <laughs> there for me, right? So sometimes that's the payoff there, yeah, that's what we hope. But, you know, they may not, you know, I guess don't get discouraged in the moment if they're not like, oh, come to you in tears, like mother, this was so sweet. Thank you. But totally. th- I think over time, it, it really does make a difference. Yeah. And I find that sometimes we serve just, because it's the right thing to do and because it's being like the savior, right? And I mean, even we know that in the church, we don't always get a pat on the back for everything that we do. And it's definitely that way at home too. But, you know, sometimes we do it for ourselves, (laughs) for sure. So, yeah. And I think just having those, the boundaries comes in where we are working alongside our kids and we are you know, how we have expectations, clear expectations. So we serve, but we're not doing everything for them. And that's, I think, where those boundaries come in. Yeah. And I love these as I go through these, like even when we get back to our regularly scheduled church callings, right? Like a lot of these principles, can we can learn a lot from practice them in the context of, of the home and, you know, take the post-it notes to church, you know, like put them on <laughs> in the pews or or totally. you know, pass a note in the Relief Society. Like a lot of these principles are work that maybe we would have never discovered without first implementing them or searching them for them in the context of, of leading in the home. You know? Yeah, I love that. That's such a good idea. All right. The next, uh, I mean, this, this next one, you're, 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 really, you're really going for my heart here. Andrea. This, <laughs> a good leader crafts a vision by listening to the Spirit. So let's talk vision in the home. Yes. So, you know, I really didn't sit down and write a vision for my family when I became a mom. I mean, when you become a parent, you really don't know what you're in for, right? None of us do. But I mean, you just went through this. I think like childbirth, that whole experience is one of the most spiritual experiences really I've ever had. Uh, We have five children. And but you have so you look at this baby and you have all these hopes and dreams. And, you know, I don't know what other people's dreams are, but in my mind, like I'm seeing sound of music, <laughs> like <laughs> just like the hills are alive yeah. and it's books and it's music. And those were things that were really important to me. And so while it doesn't look like that, I have raised some really great readers. And because books were like a priority for me from the very beginning, And then we had a piano in our home, which we actually lost in our fire. We have not replaced yet, but we, I know we had a piano like from the very beginning. My parents got us one before we, our first was even born. My husband's a great pianist. So 
just music in the home is always really important to us. And it's been a big part of our, our lives. So I think just even picking some things that are really important to you, obviously, the gospel is something that's very important to us. And just kind of having that vision of what do you want your family to look like? Like I imagined us singing together. I imagined having family home evening together. I imagined being outdoors. Outdoors are a huge thing for our family. We love being outside. And then I think just working with our spouse to to craft that vision, like what do you see, you know, and and it's just like you don't really, you, since you don't know what you're in for, you kind of don't get that opportunity before the first child's born, or at least I didn't. Hopefully someone out there that hasn't had any kids yet, they can like take that opportunity. But again, you know, it's not something that I think is like a one and done deal. It's like something that is developed over time. And you add to it. And then obviously, you do a lot of pivoting, right? And a quote that I recently read that I really love, this is in a new book by Michael Hyatt. It's called The Vision Driven Leader. Mm. His daughter, Megan Hyatt Miller, she said, the way to achieve our goals is to hold them tightly and our strategies loosely. Mm. And I think how this applies to parenting is that you know, I'm I'm very much a goal person. I've like got all these big goals for our family. But then when things would get off track, then I just feel like, oh, I failed. Like we failed. Yeah. <laughs> like throw my hands <laughs> up in there. Well, guess that's not gonna work. But you know, those goals, we can still hold tightly to those, but our strategies might need to change. Mm-hmm. And I know for us, like, you know, this might be applicable to people right now, but my husband, we went through a layoff just over three years ago. And I was it was so unexpected. My husband has a PhD in mechanical engineering from Purdue. And I thought, how wow. does how do you get laid off with that degree? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I what didn't get it. Do? Yeah. And I thought, and it was just it was a huge company and it was just thousands of people. So it was nothing personal. But you know, we hit these roadblocks in life that we just never anticipated because we thought we prepared, right? Like we went and we got a PhD and we did everything right and weren't in debt. And and then, uh, you know, life comes and people might be experiencing this right now. But I just realized the importance of that, like holding tight to that vision, but realizing that your strategies can change along the way. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And to me, like it teaches so much, you know, going back to the modeling idea, like when a child sees that you've set a goal, you know, as a group, that the path didn't go the way you expected it, but you didn't give up. You regrouped and you said, okay, now looks like we're not going on that family vacation or we're not yes. <laughs> going to be able to do this or that because of the virus, you know, and the pandemic. So how are we going to regroup? How can we reassess this? How can we still accomplish this goal? And and to me, that modeling that is going to go so far with, with children, right? Yeah, I I totally believe that. And I think right now, I feel like parents have been asking themselves for a while how to build resilience in their children. I mean, there was a great article. There have been some great articles in the Enzyme about this not too long ago. Here we have it. Like this is yep. a great opportunity. We've had to, can- you know, people have had to cancel vacations. They've had to make a lot of changes and, and it is hard, but I honestly think this is a gift for our kids to develop resilience. So when they head off to college and they go on missions and things, they're going to be like, 
yeah, I remember, you know, when we had to go through the pandemic and every year everything got canceled and changed and, you know, we had to do plan B. And so it's, it's not fun, but it is actually a gift. Yeah. Because especially in times like this, it's so easy to default as far as vision goes. Like, all right, the goal here is we're just going to get through the next couple months, right? And if that means you got to be on Instagram for 12 hours a day, you got to be, you know, (laughs) whatever, right? Like, we're just going to get through it. We'll regroup later. But to really look at it as an opportunity of saying, no, like, what are we going to make this? What's this going to be about, right? Yeah. And and how are we going to really make this an impactful time uh, as a family? Yeah. And I think it can be so simple. Like, so as I mentioned, we lost a lot of most of our things in our fire and the kids the other day said, oh, mom, we need to make homemade popsicles. And I said, well, we don't have popsicle molds anymore. And anyway, we ended up ordering some and the kids made some popsicles and they went out on the trampoline yesterday. And I was like, oh, I feel like I'm reliving my childhood. Like I'm back in the (laughs) eighties. And the 90s just having homemade popsicles on the trampoline or whatever. (laughs) And it was so simple, but like I wouldn't have had that moment. And and still that's like, that's part of my vision, right? Like if you would have asked me a long time ago, I'm like, yeah, it's not, you know, traveling through the hills of Austria, but this is pretty good. Everybody's eating homemade popsicles on the trampoline. Like, this is pretty good. This is part of my vision, you know, and to someone else, it might not be part of their vision, but it made me pretty happy. Right. Yeah. And what I love about this principle and why I, you know, vision is so core to my, my beliefs and leadership and the, the role of leadership, because I mean, it can do so much good, but, you know, taking it back to a church context, like, Elders quorums, relief societies, wards in general, they never even take the time to just gather together and say, all right, what are we doing here, right? Are we just here so that you have something to do for a couple hours on Sunday? Are we just here so Daryl over there can give us a dry general conference lesson? Like, (laughs) what is it we are doing here? What community are we in? What difference can we make, right? And so, so often, elders quorums or organizations in the church, they they fail to even take the step of bringing everybody together and saying, all right, who's got an idea? What what are we going to accomplish here, right? And so in the family context, it's so crucial. Like just, it doesn't have to be like this dynamic vision of like, oh, well, we'll probably just, why don't we solve world hunger while we're quarantined here? Oh, great. idea! Like that's <laughs> not realistic, right? But just coming together and saying, hey, what are we about right now? Like what's our goals? Even outside when this all ends, this quarantine ends, like, what are we going to do as a family? What what defines us? What brands us, right? And I had a great interview with Davis Smith, who's the CEO of Cotopaxi. And he talked about this thing he does in his family where they took his last name, Smith, and they made it an acronym, right? And they took, oh yeah, you know, with each letter, they created like a value, right? And so since then, it's been so fun. And, and really just a few weeks ago where I sort of had this epiphany of like, wait a minute, I need to be like the same type of bishop I was to that ward, but I need to be that leader in my home, right? And yes. so I've sort of re-engaged. And so we've gone back to our last name, Frankum, right? And it's so fun to have these conversations and with my eight-year-old, with my wife, and you know, my five-year-old kind of doesn't follow as much of the impact it has. But, <laughs> right. but to come together and be like, okay, what is going to define us? We're going to find for every letter in our last name, what defines us? And we have every letter except for N and M figured out, but it's fun to be in the car and just say, and you know, my eight-year-old will say, Hey dad, I thought of something we could consider. 
for oh, this letter nice. most of the time it's silly but other other times i'm like oh that's interesting yeah let's go with that and again you've mentioned this earlier like it doesn't have to be chiseled in stone right it's not yes. like we always have to have these letters mean this thing maybe in a year let's shake it up a little bit and see what what we could do but i think the principle is and again here i am on my soapbox people come to, li- to listen to you andrea but no i love this me, but this is but awesome. <laughs> just coming together and saying, just having a moment, and it doesn't have to be like this official, glorious, perfect moment, but just coming together and saying, what are we about as a family? And I love, that's why I love the model that David Smith gave is like, just use your last name. Say, okay, yeah. let's, if we were to use our last name, what would define us? What values would define us and guide us in these things? And and then when I do have those moments with my daughter during homeschool where she just wants to give up, I say, Devery, remember we're resilient. That's the R in Frankum. We are resilient people. And so I we're going to just keep going. And that's what helps me. And that's what helps you. And then it sort of re- helps us latch onto those values and keep going. So yeah, that's-, that's so cool. We actually had a friend who is a member of another faith when we moved, gave us a wooden board just like that with our last name, but they had picked what they thought described our oh, family. Cool. I don't remember all of them, but the last one, so we're Davis, the last one, S, was spiritual. And I was like, oh, that's nice, oh, nice. <laughs> right? Like coming from someone who was not a member of our faith. Yeah, yeah um, didn't see a church every Sunday or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and so I just think, I think that's so important. And, you know, whether it's, I think actually sitting down and writing it down with our kids is so important. And I would want to do that with my kids. But, you know, I think there's a lot of unspoken values too. I think as long as we as parents are constantly really striving to live by the spirit, then I think the spirit kind of keeps guiding us in the right direction as we craft that vision. And as we're kind of going down the wrong path, you know, just like I shared earlier, the spirit kind of directs us back. Nope, this is where you're headed. This is where you need to go. Yeah. So I, th- I found and, that and to I, be helpful. Yeah. And again, like, don't give in the temptation that once you have a vision, now you need to cross stitch it so you can hang it in your home because <laughs> it may change the next week and that's okay, right? I mean, display yeah. it, focus on it, but don't feel like this will be our family mission until the day you all go off to the temple and be sealed, right? Whatever yes. it is. Yeah. Just know that it's like a living, breathing thing that can change and and roll with it. I think it, that's yeah. a powerful principle. So. Well, and I think right now too, while we are home, like we've been reading a little bit of family history, you know, stories here and there and looking at lots of just pictures, family Mm. pictures. But, you know, I think we can also look to our ancestors to help us craft this vision Mm, because I, you know, I told you the books were important to me. Part of that is because my mom loves books. And so my mom always read to me, you'll rarely see my mom without a book. And I was telling the kids that. So just like maybe a year, two years ago, our oldest wasn't reading very much anymore. So that's one of those hard things that once the device, you know, appears, sometimes the reading Mm -hmm. goes down. So I was feeling a little disappointed and I knew that I just needed to keep like showing up and doing my own reading and encouraging it and try to bring books for her. But we went and visited my parents and my mom pulled out this picture that my aunt had had someone draw of my grandma. And so we we looked at the picture. And of course, what do you think my grandma was doing in the picture? 
She was reading. She was reading a book. Yes. And then on the back of it was this whole thing about how that is an actual part of our family culture on my mom's side of the family. And I had just maybe a month before telling, was telling my team that I said, it's actually, I consider that part of our family culture, like learning and books. And she's kind of like, uh, whatever. (laughs) And so then of course I pulled this out. And so I think, you know, looking to our ancestors and thinking like, I come from a family of farmers too. Like my dad was a potato farmer. And so I definitely like when I think of my ancestors, I think of hardworking people. And I consider that to be part of our, you know, our, our vision, I guess, for our own family, that that's, that's who we are. So that can also yeah. be helpful. I love that idea of this, the digging into, you know, your ancestors and, and figuring out, you know, what, what made them, what values do they live by? What did they go through and what was important to them can, yeah. can really spur some great conversations. That's awesome. Totally. And then I think too, you can tell your kids like, look, it's part of your DNA. Like, yeah. You can't you. resist it now. Yeah. Can't resist it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Andrea, is there anything else we haven't covered uh, before we, we wrap this up? No, I think we covered good conversation. it. Yeah, yeah it was. Great. I really appreciate this. So I have one more question for you, but before we do that, if people do want to know more about your resources and your, I know you do some fun things on social media and your website's awesome. So remind us again, where to go to to find out more about you and your work. Yes. So you can find us at betterscreentime.com. And we are also on Facebook and Instagram. I'd say I share more on Instagram than I do on Facebook, but we have both and both handles are better screen time. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Andrew, the last question I have for you is, uh, as you've considered the ways that you've been a leader in your own home, how has leading in your home helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Really, it started with that desire to be, I think, an example to my kids. And I know that I have to be the change that I want to see. And so if I want my kids to follow the Savior, then I better be following the Savior And it really looks like, I think, working on the things that I feel like I'm not super great at. (laughs) Like there are those character traits of Christ that I feel like I'm still working on. And I can't think of a better place to work on those things than in the home with my own family. And I truly believe that the family is of God and that, you know, Heavenly Father gave us families for that purpose and that reason so that we could become what he wants us to be. And so I truly striving to be like the Savior, and I love him with all my heart. That concludes my interview with Andrea Davis. She is awesome and such just a well of knowledge and perspective. I know I learned a lot from her as she explained leadership in the home. And uh, if there's anybody else I should interview, reach out to around this, this concept, I'd love to hear it, an expert, an author, an individual who really gets it when it comes to not just parenting, but leading in the home. I have a few ideas on my uh, on, on, a, on a list here that I hope to reach out to people, maybe create some more content around this topic during this time of quarantine life. But uh, definitely tune in next week. I'm chatting with uh, my good friend Garrett, who is a, a therapist, a counselor, and we're talking about connection because as I survey the Leading Saints audience, the big thing that people are saying is we, I, they just don't know how to establish connection, you know, like reach out to people in their wards, especially when we're all trying to be socially distant 
right? So where connection is so important. So we're going to dive into that contact next week, and I'm looking forward to chat with Garrett. And remember, text the word LEAD to 474747 and join the Core Leader community today. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness, the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.